Hello and welcome to episode two of the British Haunting Podcast. This week we will be looking at different types of ghosts and spirits uh, with a particular focus on the type that you might find in your own house. So it might be a little unsettling, but nevertheless, grab yourself a drink and uh, turn the volume up and settle down. Maybe even turn the lights off if you're feeling brave and enjoy the British Haunting Podcast. Welcome to the British Haunting Podcast, episode two. Very excited to bring this episode to you this week. Got some uh, great things uh, to talk about. Um, But unfortunately, I am alone this week, or am I? It's a question we ask all the time on this podcast. Um, Unfortunately, Dan can't join me this week. In in case you're listening to this outside of the UK, uh, you might not be aware that England has just gone under another national lockdown um, because of coronavirus. So um, unfortunately, we've not been able to come up with a solution in time in the last couple of days to be able to uh, uh, work together uh, on this podcast this week. So we are hoping to come up with a solution for next week. We've got a couple of ideas which will enable us to work together on that. So um, Dan sends his regards to yourselves and uh Thank you for, again, joining in and listening to uh, to our podcast. We very much appreciate your support and your time. So moving on. This week, we will be looking at types of ghosts. Um, I'd like you to think of this more like a really essentially a 101 of, of types of ghosts, um, because these different elements, we will go into much, much greater detail in future episodes. So, for example, I'm going to be talking about elements such as like traditional ghosts, uh, residual ghosts, poltergeists. I'm going to give you an overview of all those different types of spirits and entities that you might have encountered, might have heard about or might even experience in your own home. Hopefully not all of them. And um, and then in future episodes, we'll we'll break those down even further. So the, it really, it's uh, it's so that these first few podcasts can serve as um, sort of a foundational step into this uh, this world of the paranormal. So without further ado, let's get into it. The best place to start then is to look at what we class as traditional ghosts. Uh, traditional ghosts. Traditionally, ghosts are um, the spirits of or understood as the spirit of um, a person, um, sometimes animals. And we'll get on to those in a moment. But usually the uh, the ghost of or spirit of a person um, and they, they usually haunt where that person lived um, or died. Now, people's actual experience with with these ghosts uh, can come in a, a plethora of forms. Usually it's um, through hearing them. Others, though, will, will actually see them. Um, but there's an element where people don't always understand that they're experiencing their ghost. And, and this is possibly the most common experience that people have with traditional ghosts. And that's that they can feel the ghosts. Uh, what do I mean by that? So that could be uh, a feeling, sometimes a feeling of dread, um, sometimes a feeling of uncomfortableness, uh, that feeling that someone's standing there or looking over your shoulder or standing behind you you ever have that experience and i get it uh every now and then in in my house where it'd be for example you know middle of the night i go to the toilet or something and as i'm standing there um 
I am a guy. Um, the you know, so like the door might be open, and you just get that feeling that someone's just over your shoulder. Now I don't know if I have a pervert ghost in the house uh, who likes likes to watch me when I'm uh, when I'm sleeping uh, when I'm sleeping. I might do when I'm sleeping. That would be a pervert ghost, wouldn't it? Or watching me when I'm using the toilet or bathroom, depending again what country you're listening to to this from. Um, but there's that feeling that someone might be there. Sometimes it's a it's an actual physical response, though, rather than a feeling inside. So that feeling might come through a temperature change. That's a very common one. Um, I've uh, personally I've experienced that one when I was in um, in a small set of woodland that was notorious for having um, having hauntings, or you know people would reported seeing ghosts in this particular woodland that I was in. Um, and I was on my own, and it wasn't a uh, it wasn't an especially cold day or anything. It was it was what we would call fresh. If you was um, if you was English, you'd go, oh, it's a fresh day today. So uh, you know, um, just a little bit of a nip in the air, and uh, all of a sudden there was a sudden temperature drop to the extent that I could see my breath very very visibly in front of me, um, and this lasted for about three or four minutes. Um, and I was looking around and I could feel something there. I couldn't see anything there. And it's like all my instincts were kind of operating like they would do if, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know if you thought you was going to be chased by something and some, everything was saying, you know, it was the flight or, uh, the fight or flight response and everything was telling me I need to move on. But, uh, from that place, uh, I stuck around and after about three minutes, it seemed to settle and all of a sudden I couldn't see my breath again. You know, the temperature seemed to respond return to normal so that could be that kind of um that kind of experience how the living would would experience um ghosts so you could have that in your own house you know and that that is a common one where you walk into a room you go this is cold i mean don't get me wrong everyone has that one room in your house like this room's colder than others but if you've got an old house and there's always one room that's colder than the others noticeably then you know it might be uh an idea to start looking into other reasons other than dodgy heating systems so uh, why would those uh, traditional ghosts, as we understand them, be there? Well, the most common understanding, the most common reason is that there's uh, there's often a degree of unfinished business. Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, forget your Hollywood moment uh, where it's always like an unresolved murder or something like that. And, you know, this ghost is desperately trying to get someone else to discover that, you know, the husband did it and uh, it's... I, I guess you know that that can happen that um you know that a spirit would be trying to alert someone else to you know an unresolved crime in that respect um but it could be all sorts of things um and it's not always to do with someone else it could be to do with that person that that per the, the dead person you know that that ghost could have um i don't know it, I, i'm trying to think of an example but it, it would be them wanting to get something finished in life that they they just didn't so they can't they're almost like stuck in this kind of a almost like a loop um and they need to complete something uh, but it's 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 an often reported phenomena that when uh, particular um spirit spiritualists or clairvoyants have have interacted with these uh with these ghosts um these non-violent ghosts that uh, there's been something that they it might even be a message you know some kind of that could be their unfinished business um and, and i'm just you know i purposely made the uh, point there that these ghosts might be friendly um because that's the thing with uh, traditional ghosts they can vary from 
friendly, very, very friendly, to very, very dangerous. Um, you do get benevolent forces out there. Um, you do get um, spirits that are uh, that are dangerous, um, not necessarily in the demonic form. So we will talk about that in a bit where we distinguish between um, human ghosts and non-human entities. Um, and so that's the point with traditional ghosts, that they are of human origin. Um, and again, they can be... From anywhere from friendly to very dangerous, I guess in that respect, reflecting their, uh, you know, their original human form. Uh, we all know nice people and we all know our souls, to put it bluntly. And uh, there seems to be no reason why um, ghosts uh, can't also replicate that. You do get lots of stories about ghosts being mischievous, almost as if like it's a trait for ghosts. But um, I've grown up with um, jackass and um, things like that and, so I, I've been mischievous from day one. So I don't think it's just because they're dead. Um, I think that really comes from a lot of uh, folklore, particularly Eastern European folklore. And we're looking from like 17 and 1800s onwards. Uh, and that's where we get the uh, Transylvanian myths. So we can t tap into things like um, werewolf occultism, um, va vampire cults, um, Dracula, those kind of stories where you know where they originate from um, and those are based within those mischievous um, elements um, you could go even further back and we could look at the trickster element which um, has been within pretty much every world religion from day dot uh, where there's this element of deception and trickery and again that that have a google on that um, put in the trickster and you'll you'll find a lot of um a lot of reading to do on that one it's uh, it's very very interesting um but that's could be uh, again a play where the demonic element comes into it but that's not what we're talking about at the moment um so again we've we, we understand that they can go from friendly to very dangerous um how would you go about determining whether you know let's, let's say for example right now you've uh you know you're pretty sure that you have a ghost in your house, something we would class as traditional ghosts. You know, you think there's a person perhaps maybe died in the house or something like that and and that you're dealing with it. And you're, you're not sure, you know, you've, you've had a bit of phenomena, you've, you know, experienced a bit of phenomena. So it might, you might have heard footsteps um, along the hallway. You might have heard knocking coming from your attic or loft. Um, you might have had taps being turned on. You know, the, these kind of things you might have felt, you might have that distinctly cold room or a cold area in a room. That's very, very common um, where there's one particular area. So if if you if you're experiencing those, um, how do you know what kind of ghost you've got? Is it friendly or dangerous or somewhere in between? Well, the way you determine the danger is by the inter by the ghost interaction um, with the f uh, physical world. So uh, we'll we'll touch on to poltergeists in, in a little bit. Um, but poltergeists will be a great example of how um, there's usually phys quite strong physical manipulation with objects and things in the house. Um, are you being, you know, terrified by what's going on or do you feel like someone's alerting you to something? And those are that's where you really sort of need to be more receptive um, you might not have been receptive to ghosts in the past or the idea of ghosts. 
Um, but again, if, if you're if you're like Dan, who's not here this week, who's uh, you know very very skeptical on on these elements, which is obviously perfectly understandable and perfectly reasonable, um, then there's no harm in that respect in exploring whether that ghost exists or not. Because of course, you know what what is the harm if you don't believe it's there anyway? Then um, there's no harm in conducting you know, a few little experiments. And one of those experiments, which is very, very, very easy to do, and everyone is capable of it, no matter how much of a hard ass they are, is that you need to get in touch with yourself. Now, while we're not going into like a full Buddhist philosophy here or some kind of retreat where, you know, we got to go and search ourselves deep inside. No, nothing like that at all. This is just simply a case of uh, being more receptive to what's going on. So, um, so, you know, tell yourself for a moment, okay, if there's a spirit or ghost there that you believe that they're there. Um, now, important to note in this, not asking a spirit to communicate with you. That's a very different thing. And we don't want to be going there just yet. Uh, maybe not at all. Um, so make that point now that if there's a spirit there, you if you think there's a spirit there or you're not sure, um, be open to the idea that, that they are. And then let's sit with you. And then when you start experiencing these things, say like you do that, and then conveniently this uh, spirit is in time and, you know, with your experiment, and uh, you start hearing that knocking, say, down the hallway or at the end of your bed or something like that. Now, ignoring the fear element, because we all have a slight bit of fear there, you know, the hairs might stand up, we might feel that slight chill, we all get that, that's normal, you're, you're supposed to feel like that that's your body doing what it's supposed to do but beyond that little fear you should get that feeling of whether it feels dangerous or not if it feels like it's slightly untoward that's where you need to step back a bit now if it feels absolutely no threat at all then we can look at things such as uh, perhaps a, a house blessing or possibly communicating um, with that spirit to see what it wants or to in the best way to in my opinion it, for someone who's not um, necessarily experienced in this in this area that I would recommend to them to um, just simply speak out as if that person was there and say you know let them know that it's okay for them to move on that it's safe for them to move on um, it, it's almost like a, a way of in, encouraging them to to leave um, and you may notice a uh, you may notice um, an improvement within that situation. Another way you can do that is, uh, and this this might seem really kind of out there for for some people, is uh, you might have heard of burning sage. Um, so you get the dried herb sage, um, light a bushel of it, and then obviously just put out the flame. So now it's smoking, it's smouldering, and. Uh, and go around the house or if it's in a particular room where this happens and um, uh, essentially you need to be moving the sage around in the air so it's kind of like as if you was um, you know when you get those little incense sticks and you just leave it and you know on the side to eventually fill that room well you'll be doing the same thing with the sage but moving it around it's almost like you're trying to fill the room with that that odor with that smell but a lot quicker uh, you can also mark the door or the entrance way to that room. Uh, and I won't go into the full details on here, but the, it's essentially it's an in, a way for ghosts to interpret that as a request to leave a particular um, 
a particular space. There's a there's a lot of history behind that particular um, what might seem it be a seemingly bizarre action, but it, it it's essentially a purification um, process, and it's very very simple to do. It doesn't require any beliefs or anything like that. And um, regardless of your beliefs on that, it does seem to hold a lot of success for people. Um, however, I would say that if you did that and then you follow it up with um, trying to make communication with that uh, spirit um, where you would use some form of conductor, um, of which I'll talk about in just a moment, um, then you could get uh, a very um, angry or cranky uh, response or from that particular ghost. It's like sending mixed messages in that respect. Um, and when I say conductors... Um, essentially they're like ways conduits as such for a ghost to be able to deliver messages um and i'm not talking about a ouija board here uh ouija boards have a purpose but for 99.9 percent .9 of the time i would recommend the lay person to keep away from them um and there's a whole reason for that which again we'll go into that at another point but in terms of conducting where there's um little in the way of um, of uh, harm coming from that um, you can use uh, different different uh, conduits which usually use what we call like fundamental elements so fire or water um, communicating through candle flames is very common so have a room uh, have the candle set up in a room turn the lights off so that the energy is essentially focused from that candle that's where the energy is coming from it's coming from you and from that candle and then whatever else is in the room uh, make sure there's no breeze getting in there at all and you should start getting some kind of flickering going on sometimes the candle go out if the candle goes out it might be that that ghost is desperately trying to communicate with you or is angry um, however it doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad um, you can do the same with uh, water so you can literally get water in a glass um, and you can have that glass on a say like on a small table or something like that on a surface where it's not going to be knocked or disturbed and you might start getting some ripples in that um i've seen both these things happen and it's um it, it it's uh it's essentially a very very basic way of allowing that um entity a spirit to be able to communicate through you often see this on some of these modern ghost like ghost hunting programs where someone will have some kind of um device usually a video recording device or an audio recording device um some kind of electromagnetic frequency um object where you'll be able to see different frequencies change or you hear the audio change and it's it's essentially working through the same principle um if i go into a, a ghost hunt i will take pretty much all of those elements and a, and a couple of other things with me to uh um to see that communication itself because sometimes certain spirits will prefer communicating through different means and um, until you know what you're dealing with you don't know what one they're going to prefer so that's uh that's uh essentially uh, conductors and conduits for for spirits but if you're going to take anything away from this first section on traditional ghosts, is that if the spirit feels dangerous, and I can't emphasize this enough, do not communicate with it. Do not communicate with that spirit at all if it feels in any way dangerous. And by communication, I mean acknowledging it verbally, um, by showing too much fear, um, 
think of it like this. If you was in a pub or bar or what have you, and, um, and there was a fight started, rather than standing there watching, if you didn't want any part of that, you might just pick up your drink and just walk straight out. You know, like that, that would be, you're just like, I'm not having any part of this. Uh, or if there was an argument going on, you do, you know, you do, it's like when you kind of like look away, you know, you don't want to seem like you're part of it or get drawn in. Think of this the same in the same way. So you would do the same thing. You would move away um, and you need to work out how to remove it immediately. Um, that's not something that you should necessarily go about doing yourself. I don't know if you can hear that. Hear the knocking? So I'm. You might be able to hear that. I'm just going to hold the recording device up. Not sure if you can hear that tapping. I'm. I'm currently in. Uh, I'm currently in my own bedroom, actually recording this week's episode um, on my own, um, in a relatively empty house. A couple of people downstairs watching TV quietly and it's stopped now there we go so <laughs> there we go uh what we about a quarter of an hour in or so into this week's podcast and we've already got something trying to communicate is with us on the actual podcast itself so there we go um <laughs> wasn't expecting that i'm uh I, I wish i had a camera in here at the moment there's nothing physically happening but i can certainly hear stuff that seems to have stopped okay anything else no okay right well there we go that's the that's our first element of traditional ghosts so i mentioned earlier on um that uh, the traditional ghosts can form in different uh come through different um uh forms so you would have um possibly from a human usually almost always for a human but it can also be animal spirits now i'm not talking about uh animal spirits in the respect of saying um Native American um, uh, anim animalism or uh, Native American uh, beliefs with animals uh, that you might see through representations such as totem poles um, or animalism, which is uh, uh, which is something else where we're, we're looking at beliefs that essentially revolve around the, uh, you know, the involvement of animals. I'm on about actual animal spirits. So think more, uh, more simply, um, usually typically pets, um, so like a cat or a dog or something like that. Um, rarely seen, very rarely seen, uh, but often heard. Not very common at all. Um, so you would, uh, for the people who have experienced um, uh, their pets or someone else's pets coming back, um, they've usually returned to environments where they might have, you know, they might just eat or where they used to find themselves comfortable um, there are reports, um, there's lots of reports, but there was one particular report I was made aware of um, where a little girl um, had lost her, her cat when she was um, when she was a toddler. She wasn't that, that aware of it. She was she remembered it vaguely, um, but she was about eight or nine when she'd started noticing what looked like a like a depression on her uh, her duvet or bed sheet. Um, so you you would imagine like if now if uh, I don't know if you've seen the Invisible Man and 
I point you wouldn't have seen The Invisible Man, would you? No one's seen The Invisible Man. Have you seen the movie The Invisible Man? If you've seen the movie The Invisible Man, you might have a, an idea of what I'm talking about, where The Invisible Man sits down, or we're led to believe, sits down on a chair, and you can see the impression of his of his bottom and his legs on the chair, even though obviously you can't see him because he's invisible. It's the same kind of thing with, uh, with the pets. And in this instance, with this particular young girl, um, there was a cat. It could be... I say it could be clearly seen, but again, it can't be clearly seen, um, uh, where on a, a regular basis, this cat started walking on the bed and you could see the footprints going in allegedly. And then this cat turning around and, and sitting down, and you could see the shape of a cat. Um, and they, they felt a warming presence, which is very unusual because obviously it's almost always a colder presence. And so, uh, you know, and, that's I, I I don't know where I stand on that one personally, um, simply because of the idea of um, you know whether animals have a, a soul in that respect. Because typically when we're talking about spirits, you know the ghosts, we're talking about talking about a soul, um, but we're also talking about energies. So um, lots of ghosts will feed in some respect off of energy or be able to operate off of people's energy in a in a quite uh, knowing way and what do I mean by that well for example the animal spirit um, would have worked off a of warmth comfort familiarity and so that's why that little girl would have experienced a warming feeling um, it's it's one for all these things for debate really but that's that's animal spirits we won't spend any longer on that one at the moment it's uh it is interesting but it can take us into other realms of of beliefs which is of uh, particularly certain religious beliefs um, so want to move on from there and we're going to look at crisis apparitions crisis apparitions yes it's it's um it's as bizarre as it sounds now the phenomena of crisis apparitions or apparitions apparitions i can never pronounce that one this particular phenomena is actually a lot more common than people realise. Um, it's really well documented through actual documentaries, TV programmes, a lot of popular movies um, where ghosts are including, including the film Ghost. Um, and it, it's something that many people have, um, have experienced and quite a few people who've, who I've spoken to who, you know, they might have had, paranormal experiences around their house uh, or wherever they live um, a lot of them have also experienced this same phenomena and it's essentially a, a vision of a person around the time of their death it could be the hours beforehand the hours afterwards um, and in many ways the reason why it's different to say what you would class as like a, a, a traditional ghost and why we have discussed this particular phenomena in the previous section is because it's essentially not a ghost experience um not in the sense that you're actually dealing with a ghost so i'm going to give you a bit of an example because i want you to think of it like an sos message in many ways take your mind back to star wars episode four a new hope i'm sure everybody on here listening has seen it and if you haven't have a word with have a word with yourself then go and watch it um, it's the original star wars from the original uh, trilogy and in that you've got a very long a very young luke skywalker and 
Uh, he's with Obi-Wan Kenobi and he's got R2-D2 with him. And at one stage, when he's trying to fix his droid, um, R2 suddenly switches on and I'm trying to cast my mind back because it's a long time ago when I last watched it. So forgive me if I haven't got the details exactly right. But I, I remember, he, I'm vaguely remembering he's fixing him or something like that. And um, and he suddenly comes on, R2 comes on and he beams like a hologram uh, and it's uh, got print, the Princess Leia. Obviously, he doesn't know who this person is at this point, but Princess Leia appears and she comes on and says, um, help us, Obi, help us, Obi-Wan. You're, you're our only hope. I can't get my words out. Help us, Obi-Wan. You're our only hope. And it's that distinct image of um, of Leia. Now, obviously, she's not dying at that point. Um, that's just, you know, it, that's just the image of her there. But um, obviously, that is Leia, but it's not Leia, if that makes sense. Like that Leia in that recording, you can see her, you can hear her, you could put your hand through her, you know, She, but that's not actually her. And in many ways, a crisis apparition is basically the same thing. So it's like an interactive message. Um, it, it, that, that's the difference where the analogy doesn't quite work in this sense, in the fact that in many instances, that experience can become interactive. Um, so not a ghost per se. Um, so there's no need for things like, for example, house cleansing if this happened in, in your home. Um, but you might have seen uh, there, there's a good example of this in um, you might have seen the recent Netflix. Um, I was going to say documentary. It's not a documentary at all. Uh, the recent Netflix series uh, Haunting of Hill House. So you've got the new one, Haunting of Bly Manor, which is great. But uh, my personal favourite is the essentially the first series, which was um, Haunting of Hill House. Uh, I'm not going to give away any spoilers in case you haven't seen it. I thoroughly recommend watching it. It is a fantastic ghost story. Um, but there is a there is one point where um, uh, one of the uh, one of the main characters, his name is Steve, like myself, and he's uh, he writes. Um, paranormal books like myself and uh, he walks into his um it turns out it's actually i think it's his no it is his it is his apartment um he walks in and hears a noise and he turns around and his sister is standing in there and he asks how is she there and she's kind of shaking and not really responding and then something happens and like it frightens the life out of him um and it turns out it's actually um i say ghost and it's put forward like it's a ghost of her. But it's not a ghost in that respect. It's a crisis apparition. So she appears to him to essentially warn him of something or to let her know, you know, she's in distress. She doesn't, in that respect, speak per se. But, you know, it's um, that that's her appearing. And so some people have seen, it takes to the real world now, and, you know, some people have experienced seeing a loved one and you know and, and they say oh no no i saw them and you know hours later it turns out they were they were actually dead um so for i'll give you my own example when i was a very very young um i'd been to see my granddad in the hospital um now i didn't realize or know at the time that he was actually dying and that he was actually very very close to death like as in within hours um when i saw him he was in a hospital bed and i'd been ushered in to say hello to him and I was very frightened because he had tubes coming out of him and he kind of made a bit of a noise towards me and said something and he, he was in and out of consciousness really um but 
the uh, my and uh, there's lots of family around as well at this particular point. Um, and so I'd seen him there, and I was kind of more frightened about the hospital rather than anything else. Didn't understand exactly what was going on. Obviously, what was happening was I was being asked to essentially say my final goodbyes to him because he was about to die, and I didn't know this. Um, and it was later that night that I was back home. Uh, we was living in um, a block of flats at the time, and um, I, I, I was I'd been I was sitting up in bed, and I was you know moments from going to sleep really. Uh, my mum was going to come in and turn the light off, and I could all of a sudden I felt like someone was there, and I just turned over and I had a little chair next to my bed, and my granddad was sitting there, and. Um, he he said hello and and I and I kind of sat there a bit shocked because I, obviously I didn't know why he was there and I didn't really question it too much at that particular point and he just kind of put his arm out and sort of touched my bed he was he was hand was near me and I was very t- again I was very tired so I I, I just decided to sort of you know, start turning over Obviously, as an adult, you'd be freaking out, but as a you know very young child, didn't really question it too much, and I said hello to him, and I didn't really get anything back, and then, as I kind of sat up and sort of turned myself back round again, he wasn't there, and then my mum came in and asked who I was talking to, and I said, um, "Granddad," and she was crying, and she said, "Your granddad died two hours ago." And so that was my experience of a crisis apparition. Now, I was very young and that, that moment stuck with me. Um, there wasn't any reason for me to sort of make that story up, if that makes sense, to my mum, you know. It was, I wasn't trying to comfort her or anything. I was way too young to sort of understand any kind of concept of that. Um, and I didn't question it because I, it, it was odd. I'd, I'd, seen, I'd seen him earlier on in the evening and then that happened and it didn't kind of make sense. And it wasn't until actually a couple of years later, I sort of realized what had actually happened. Um, so that's a, that's a crisis apparition. And again, it can be actually a very common experience, but it's not necessarily that that is their ghost. It could be. Um, but the theory is, is that essentially it's a, a message. Sometimes though, for a lot of people that can be a traumatic experience. So they might actually see that person in horrendous or, you know, gory, um, gruesome detail. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it can be quite upsetting for some people. They might see their loved one injured and then they know sometimes it can come as a tremendous feeling, tremendously strong. You know, they get a feeling that something terrible has happened. It's almost like that person's there and they can feel the pain they've gone through. Um, that phenomenon happens a lot with, um, with twins actually where they you know they they report that they can experience everything that their twin is going through so that that kind of bond is really strong there and that's that's perhaps a good example of where that can physically happen so that's crisis operations let's move on um to uh what we call residuals um so last episode we spoke about echoes so if you get the chance so if you haven't listened to last week's episode go back over that and uh, we discuss a bit about uh, about echoes so some people believe that this is essentially what ghost experiences are um, but of course all the ones we've spoken about so far are pretty much all interactive and that kind of dismisses the theory of what i would call like echo theory but it it, it doesn't in the respect that um, residuals are usually uh, they, they are a ghost experience, um, but think of it as um, um, 
essentially like a movie being replayed, like a scene from a particular movie, and it usually replays at the same pl- same time, like same day, same time, same place, etc. Um, and usually, um, in almost all circumstances, it's absolutely harmless. These these are again what we we sometimes class as echoes, an echo ghost experience. So rather than a ghost being interested in you. Um, it, it's like a, it's like you've just walked into a movie scene. Uh, again, it's usually harmless, even if it looks absolutely horrendous, uh, you know, gruesome, traumatic, all of these things. Because obviously, you know, some people report seeing like headless people and, you know, a headless person walking down or seeing someone, you know, um, dying or what have you, you know, in front of them. Um, but they don't seem to have any interaction with that person if that person obviously sticks around long enough to uh, to watch it through. But again, it usually replays over and over again. Um, it's almost always linked to a building or a particular place. It's very, very rarely is reported to be in different places. Um, so, for example, um, this uh, this week on uh, on Spirit of the Week, which will come up in just a moment, um, the particular spirit we uh, we talk about um, uh, gets around a bit, but the most common um, event that gets reported with this particular um, spirit or ghost um, has occurred in the same place, which will be at the, like the culmination of that part. It will make sense. I don't want to. I don't want to give it away. Um, but um, yeah, so that it will usually happen in the same place, and there's very rarely interaction with the viewer if you want to call it um there at all so uh so that that's uh that, again that's those particular experiences residual ghost experiences are usually the ones actually that make up many ghost stories um because they're the ones that stick around long enough for people to, and multiple people to be able to um experience them and i say experience them because it's not always just the visual thing you know some people get that uh, there's a, a pub in leeds that um reports um of being extremely haunted that's leeds in the in the uk there's a particular pub where people um it's reported as being haunted and people have experienced what feels like uh, they can only liken it to someone walking through them and it's like they can hear footsteps and then it goes through them it's a very one of these very old rickety uh, little pubs with you know the the floorboards are bent and the the walls lean slightly and you, you can imagine it is that dark wood and old black paint and uh and so the the walkways and passageways are very narrow so when people are moving around there at night in particular you know they they can't avoid these experiences um but they generally left you know generally left unharmed so that was residual so just a recap we've looked at traditional ghosts um, which covers obviously the main part animal spirits crisis apparitions and residuals um we're going to try and lighten things up briefly um as we go and look at spirit of the week but stick around because after spirit of the week we're moving on to a slightly darker topic of poltergeists and demons hey it's spirit of the week spirit of the Week two of Spirit of the Week. Oh, I've got an absolute treat for you. 
this week. And do you know what? I'm so sad that Dan isn't here this week to uh, uh, to be here for this one because Dan is, as you might gathered from last week, he's a bit of a history nut. He loves his history, as do I. But you know, he he really gets a kick out of it. So Dan, this one's for you, my friend. Um, I'm going to be looking at now this 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 one I'm going to be looking at. This is a. Uh, this ghost likes to get around and I don't know whether that was in the physical sense of the word or the metaphorical sense of the word. But um, either way, uh, we are talking about the rather, um, I don't know, what, what would we call her? She, she, it's just the amount of places that this ghost gets to. I have i don't think I've encountered a ghost that appears in so many other places. Um, we are, of course, looking at Mary, Queen of Scots. I know Mary, Queen of Scots, right? Many, many ghosts we could be looking at. Um, don't always want to look at the ones back in the past history, because as uh, as my daughter pointed out to me, um, I, I have a daughter and she is also into ghosts. As she rightfully pointed out to me or questioned me, I should say, is uh, why do all ghosts seem to be old? As in you know, like from Victorian times and things like that. And I pointed out that they don't. And that's just where the longest stories come from. So why would we go to Mary, Queen of Scots? Well, as I mentioned, Mary likes to get around a bit. Um, considering she, obviously she could only die in one place. So that's where her traumatic event essentially happened. But of course, she didn't have the most easiest of lives. Uh, she was executed in 1587. She was beheaded. Um, so she was, uh, some would say she was a, a bit of a haunting presence even before her death, um, spooking her royal neighbour, Elizabeth II of England. Um, the two actually never met, but Elizabeth felt so threatened by the potential power of her Catholic cousin. Uh, she basically felt she had no choice but to have her put to death, um, uh, which she did, which, of course, was done with an executioner's axe. But the, uh, you know, she she's reported to have a very colourful life. And that seems to be reflected in all the many places that Mary's ghost has been um, been found. Now, I have got a list in front of me um, and uh, she's been found in numerous castles. Let me have a little look at my list again uh, as uh, as one site I looked at uh, one, one particular source I was looking at called the uh, the phenomena Spectral Mary's, which uh, was interesting. Um, and she seems to have been um, painted as uh, as someone who, who comes in in various colours. You remember last week we um, we was looking at particular uh, the the you know white ladies or things like that. Um, well, Mary's been known as the pink lady. Uh, she's been known as the green lady. Um, and these were all um, in it, Mary appearing in different forms. So, for example, um, Mary in in her actual life. Uh, made lots of visits to Stirling Castle. This is in Scotland, where she also sent her saint, her son James to be brought up. Um, and apparently, a ghost has been said to haunt that castle, um, known as the Pink Lady. Um, it's thought that you know, thought to be that of the Queen. Uh, whilst elsewhere, um, the same apparition is known as the Green Lady. Um, but this is more believed to be a servant who actually rescued her. Um, um, when a sort of basically a bedside candle to set fire to her sheets. So um, whether it is, you know, her assistant followed her in life, I don't know. But there was another castle again at Borthwick Castle, uh, Midlothian. Um, I'm sure my Scottish friends will uh, correct my pronunciation of that. But Mary's appeared, uh, Mary's said to appear dressed as a page boy. 
Um, and she's said to have stayed there in 1567 after a doomed marriage to the Earl of Bothwell before escaping disguised as a man. So there's there's lots of accounts of Mary um, essentially, you know, being linked to particular events in her life, which could, you know, could happen. That's where we tend to find those, those echoes as such. Um, but uh, the one I particularly like, because I'm going to go through, I'm going to skip through a few of the places she was at, because she was at Hermitage Castle in the Borderlands in Scotland, or the Borders, Craignethian Castle near Lanark. Um, again, these are all places where particular events uh, are said to have happened. Um, but it was, uh, for me, it's uh, somewhere that still exists now in terms of um, those other places do, but in obviously various conditions, a lot of them are historical sites. But my favourite is the last place she's been reported to have been seen. And, and this is uh, these sightings are still happening now. Um, and that's in a place called Talbot Hotel in Northamptonshire. Now, um, Mary was taken by the Earl of Shrewsbury, the Earl of Shrewsbury, um, who basically held her captive at three of his castles, all three, obviously not at the same time. You know, she wasn't in pieces at that point. Um, and in the 1930s, her apparition was reported walking through the halls of Turret House, um, the Earl's Manor Lodge in Sheffield, Yorkshire. Um, but uh, that was uh, that was one of the uh, the more recent sightings. And then then um, in more recent years, there's been lots and lots of sightings of Mary, um, as I said, in the Talbot Hotel, Northamptonshire. Um, the, the castle where she was where she was actually executed, which is Fother. I'm going to try and say this properly. Fothering Hay Castle, uh, which is also in Northamptonshire. Um that's there's basically there's nothing left of it it was basically uh, raised to the ground in the uh, late 1600s i believe um but that's where she was uh, put on trial and executed at the um reasonably young age of 44 it's not that old is it um but this is in the important element so that that was where she was executed which again would be the most traumatic part of her uh, her life as such um but some of the stone and the oak staircase, which she walked down to face her execution, uh, were used to build the nearby Talbot Hotel in uh, particular, specifically on Oundale, I can't pronounce it, O-U-N-D-L-E in Northamptonshire. Um, and uh, Mary's ghost is said to be a, um, uh, a regular guest there. So again, with this one, what's, what's kind of creepy is they obviously they used... Um, some of the stone to build this hotel um, and the oak staircase and so the the stone that was used uh, was at the foundational part and at the top of this staircase so um, she was said to obviously she would have she was trembling as much as she would have liked to put on a brave face she would have been trembling and she she held on to this staircase for a, excuse the pun for a dear life as she walked down to, um, you know obviously going towards her execution and uh and again that that moment then would have been that that would have been the i guess the most prominent part of her fear experience um you know by the time she gets outside and there's a crowd and you know all sorts is going on at that point um mary is uh, is suffering so her ghost has been reported seeing been seen there many many times um it would be interesting wouldn't it to go up and do an investigation up there i'd i'd be uh, I'd be more than happy to do that. 
that would be good. So I might have to have a little look on TripAdvisor. If you haven't a look, I don't know if they have a section on there for um, hauntings, but the Talbot Hotel in Northamptonshire, once this lockdown's uh, ended, that might be worth a, uh, a visit. Go and see Mary, Queen of Scots, executed in 1587. Dan, why are you not here this week? I would have loved to hear Dan's intake on this. So anyway, that was Ghost of the Week. Hopefully, 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 Dan will be back next week and we can get two Ghosts of the Week. So we had a slightly extra longer story there. We'll try to keep this down to about three or four minutes each. And I'm giving it nine minutes worth of Mary. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? Oh, well, we better move on. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. We're, we're on to the, uh, the home stretch of uh, this week's episode. And uh, I do try to keep things sort of lighthearted and a bit friendly and fun where we can. And um, to be honest, you know, the, as, as a lot of the business that, you know, I would sort of conduct through um, through the British Haunting Service, which, uh, again, we'll be going through a live website soon, um, can involve some, uh, you know, some upsetting things now and then, especially for people, you know, going through some of these experiences. So, I, I, you know, I could be going into people's homes to essentially conduct cleansings um of, of the home or you know just to deal they they might be dealing with some traumatic experiences there and there's varying degrees of sort of services that you know I, I would I would undertake and so really the the podcast in many ways I do try to keep sort of light-hearted because it, it you know there's enough seriousness in this area as it is and I know we all want to be scared at different points and that is sometimes part of the fun um but you know we like to keep it light hide where we can whilst respecting this seriousness um but there's there's some things you can't avoid um you can't avoid the serious nature of them um again if you know you you can look at these things sort of light hearted where there isn't a belief in these things however um, these next two elements won't care what your belief systems are and they're not interested in, you know, whether you hold a faith or not. Um, they're, I've heard the expression recently, mood hoover, which is one of those people, you know, when you have someone uh, in your life, or I'm going to give you a little example, actually. Um, so, for example, the other week I had a plasterer in my house. I had a couple of walls that needed plastering. Um, usually do most work in my house myself, but you want the plastering to look good. So I had this plaster around. He did a great job. However, um, he had to be one of the most negative people I've met in such a long time. He was so angry about everything. He was swearing like a blue-mouthed sailor. He he was just seemed furious, like genuine anger about everything. And it was getting to a point where it was, you know, really, really hard to sort of, deal with this guy and uh and essentially it made me think of the expression that one of my friends recently said which is mood hoover where you know someone just seems to suck the life out of your uh house out of your out of a conversation or something like that and you're just around them and you feel exhausted after being around them because you know there is they regardless of how you look at sort of personal energies and things like that they just tire you out you know they're not a good person to be around 
Well, in these next two elements, that's what we see. And these two elements feed off of that. Um, so the first part is poltergeists. So we've looked at, um, again, uh, like traditional ghosts. Um, poltergeist um, or poltergeist, oh, we should call it poltergeist activity, really. Because there's uh, there's a lot of disagreement among, say, like ghost hunters or ghost professionals or you know, um, priests or what have you who, who deal within, say, like exorcisms and spiritual activity in that respect as to actually what a poltergeist is. However, there is a, a, a common theory that um, the it, that's the energy that certain living beings can bring to a home, which a spirit then uses to move objects. So this is a so in that respect, a poltergeist might not be a thing, but a result of. Uh, like a clash of energy so that's one re one way to look at it now uh, one theory i guess to to understand poltergeist activity um it's particularly high actually uh where you have adolescents in a house or with people with you know when you see you hear certain people like with big personalities you'll know the kind i mean you know they they really are sort of out there big big personalities they they can essentially give energies to different spiritual forces um and, and you know in that respect not like acting like a conduit but um acting as almost like an energy boost so um that you it's a difficult one to get your head around really because typically hollywood has treated poltergeist as um just a ghost that can move things and in some ways that's right but we, we should talk about more about poltergeist activity so it's almost like that that energy that people give off, um, going along this theory anyway, um, that the spirit can then almost manipulate that energy to manifest more physical uh, phenomena. So you might get the knocking of things and stuff, you know, like the walking, the footsteps, which is quite common, or the change in atmosphere. Uh, but then to see an object pick up or cast across a room or fly somewhere, that that's quite something else um that takes a particular kind of energy um typically however though poltergeist activity uh, or poltergeists are characterized by the violent moving of objects um and so it's not always uh it's not always like the gentle sliding of like a, a tin or you know a cup or something like that that might be something but that might be uh, a distressed spirit trying its absolute best to communicate with you um, or try to get your attention whereas poltergeists typically are what we call violent movements of objects so something flying across a room um you may have you if you haven't heard of it you should do a, uh, you should go and google this um, the enfield haunting it's uh, arguably um england's most famous uh, haunting in recent uh, in recent decades um and uh, it, there's there's been a few documentaries made about it um, and a few different films I think was it The Conjuring 2 maybe they they focused on the Enfield haunting but there's a there's a really good program if you're in England if you go on BBC iPlayer um, and look for the Enfield Enfield haunting E-N-F-I-E-L-D haunting uh, there's a three part um, drama and it is very very good and uh, in, in that they deal with a uh, rather ominous um, spirit, which has a lot of poltergeist activity. And, and you'll see in that the difference with what I mean by violent movement of objects. So 
Um, there was a police officer in there and he starts getting pelted with marbles. Um, there's glasses flying around. Um, a house pet dies, you know, is basically strangled by the spirit. Um, and there's different visual elements as well. So like, you know, the, the spirit appearing in mirrors, which is a very common conduit. Um, we spoke about conductors earlier on. We also have conduits, so a way that that spirit can channel its energy. So that might be through a mirror. Um, but specifically talking about um, poltergeist, it will be down to the movement um, of um, of objects. Um, and so again, like as I said, you know, it usually draws. It's a type of um, spirit that will draw on the energy of people in that house. Um, and this is where it's really important to draw back on. Uh, you remember the advice I gave you earlier on in the podcast, where if a spirit feels dangerous to never communicate with it, do not communicate at all with it. In this respect, you really need to use your intuition. And I should imagine in most respects that uh, if you're seeing objects flying around, uh, it's not going to be feeling that great. There are reports that sometimes poltergeist activity is a mischievous ghost. Um, in which case you can deal with it however you need to deal with it but um, for the most part um, as someone in my position I would say do not attempt to remove it yourself so whereas I said before do not attempt to communicate do not acknowledge um, so don't communicate with um, what feels like dangerous ghosts do not acknowledge them and do not attempt to remove them or it yourself do not attempt to remove it yourself because um, you may be dealing with what we've got in the next category, in which case you don't want any interaction with it whatsoever. So poltergeist, not the greatest, uh, not the nicest thing to necessarily be around or find yourself experiencing. Um, I've had experiences with poltergeist activity myself, um, but we'll move on from that at the moment to on to the next category where I said that, you know, the, you could find a poltergeist actually occupies this realm which is the realm of demons so i've this technically technically speaking if we want to step away from a moment um shouldn't be in a podcast <clears throat> about different types of ghosts because a demon is not a ghost but i need to make the distinction here so it's important to finish on um on demons um demons are not ghosts um they're non-human spirits so we mentioned that Ghosts are almost exclusively uh, human spirits. Um, sometimes it comes across as animal ghosts, but we make that distinction with animal spirits and human spirits. A human spirit is a ghost. Um, however, demons can disguise themselves as friendly spirits, uh, but they are not good. In fact, very often they will um, uh, attempt to present themselves as friendly um, they can almost appear as intelligent. So these would be the ghosts that are making a lot of communication, but very, very explicitly. Um, they're also the the sort of the, the number one spirit, if you want to say, uh, that's most likely to respond to a Ouija board or a spirit board, as they're sometimes known. Um, it's uh, it, that that's really sort of my number one reason for. Uh, advising against the use of, of Ouija boards because essentially you're opening up a door to something that you have no control over who comes through um, and you're opening up a door to a realm where 
anything that anything can come through that and it's usually things that you don't want to come through so this is where you can think of your hollywood moments and think about the things that would you know terrify you or, or scare you and those would be the things that would come through but very often they'll present themselves as a friendly spirit more often than that they'll present themselves as a well-known spirit and i don't mean the spirit of elvis it's not going to come along and say oh thank you very much you know for letting them through the uh from the other plane but um it'll be someone perhaps a, a past relative that's very common um and in this respect demons are very manipulative so they are able to recreate voices uh, perfectly absolutely perfectly um sometimes they're able to recreate form perfectly so they may even appear as a past relative um in that respect it's not like when we spoke about um the crisis apparitions because these things will stick around whereas crisis apparitions often are one-off events they don't usually happen again whereas with a demon they will be there they're they're like a leech once they're there they're they're not going um there's a uh, there's several ways to identify a demon because again a demon will usually appear in the sense of uh, in the in the form of um a friendlier spirit at first and it will appear through what I call light activity first of all so all the activities that we mentioned you might experience from ghosts tapping on the floorboards etc or a slight voice here and there um, but it will get more and more and the more that you acknowledge it the more it will happen and the more it will intensify um, there's uh, there's several signs of de demonic activity but two major signs of a demon's presence uh, revolves around the person because it revolves around their energy so Firstly, you or your household suddenly become depressed or lethargic, like, and I'm on about like over a long period of time. Um, but there's no family history of these things at all. Uh, and I mean, you know, family history before your family and family history as in your immediate family. If all of a sudden yourself or perhaps the whole family or one other member suddenly for no unexplained reason um, becomes very depressed and lethargic, that can be a sign. Now, I I'm well aware um, of the potential to misunderstand, uh, mi you know, misinterpret, I should say, um, a normal depression with um, with demonic activity. And there's a huge difference. And 99.999% of the time, depression is depression. And it's absolutely tragic. And in many ways, that would feel more more um, tragic than, than that demonic activity. Uh, but you know the in this res respect those feelings are, are quite distinctive and they usually come with ver various other markers as well which make them quite distinct um another major sign um that is that someone again it could be yourself it could be someone else in the house um suddenly develops a shocking personality change uh, but for short bursts um and this is why you know the why it's important that when suspect when there's suspected demonic activity that's affecting a person um that you know there's there's usually quite often several months it's not like you see on you know certain films where all of a sudden overnight everything changes you've got priests in the house and stuff it's in, in any respectable um demonologist or um you know, anyone dealing in this area, anyone respectable will ensure that that person's receiving proper 
medical interventions at first that you know they're they're being assessed and analyzed for all sorts of mental health conditions and illnesses um which is the most common cause so uh, we're not talking about that we'll just assume that those things have actually happened um and that these things keep happening so they're developing a shocking personality change and that can come with manifestations of other voices and things like that as in they produce a different voice a different language um and uh that that can be the uh, one of the shocking changes but it's usually for short bursts intermittently and then leaves the person exhausted and they'll come back to themselves um but those uh, those can indicate temporary um or long-term um possessions um sometimes those spirits most often will actually take the form of um of take the possession of other things first of all so possession of objects then sometimes property and then usually finally people it's often in that order um, which is why if you notice these things in your house it's best to get it sorted out as soon as possible um, possession of objects probably most famously in recent years through the film the Annabelle films um, so there's uh, a certain element of fiction within those but there's also um uh, truthful elements in terms of uh, some of the stories in there, particularly like with the conjuring um, where they're, they're based on, on true narratives. So, um, you know, in that, in that the conjuring universe, you know, we see the Annabelle doll possessed and that's something that really exists in that respect. Um, as for the um, actual demon um, that's named within that, Valak, which is uh, spelled V-A-L-A-K, um, we don't know whether that's uh, we were told it's fictional, but then again, you know, you, you don't know necessarily what elements they've uh, they've decided to base on uh, untruth and those on fiction. Um, little fun fact for you: most of the Harry Potter characters uh, and uh, like the main characters and uh, elements within Harry Potter were named after real and i'm using that in bunny ears so you can determine whether it's real or not um demons and spirits so there you go that's uh, jk rowling's little involvement there so um as mentioned demons feed off of people and their energy um and uh, you know that w- same way uh that um poltergeist would do which is why it's sometimes hard to distinguish the two at first um and that's why there's there shouldn't be uh any major um you know acknowledgement so i would have to reiterate especially in this instance to you do not communicate with it in any way shape or form don't respond to it in that amount Uh, do not acknowledge it in any way um in the sense that imagine someone shouting at you trying to get your attention and you just pretend that they're not there uh, as hard as it is um and uh do not under any circumstances try to remove it yourself um and uh, don't allow it to um to manipulate you um so um they've they've been known to pretend to be something uh innocent and then asked to inhabit something so for example like a doll like the annabelle situation um you know like it'll be maybe left through notes or through actual voices itself saying well if i can go into that the, the demon wants so- it needs something to go into um, for it to be able to stay out of uh, to be able to stay in this realm um, so the most common form of possession in that respect is for houses um, so that's that's different in between the ghost experiences where a ghost will live in a house and a demon will possess a house 
And so that's your brief introduction to demons and more importantly, your brief introduction, your 101 to different types of ghosts. Um, that has been a hard slog this week because my voice is about to give out. I've been doing this for, I think this is nearly an hour again, this episode. Um, it's really, I really wanted this to be 20, 30 minutes long. It's not happening, is it? Um, so turn your lights back on. Um, go and get yourself a nice warm drink, put some cheerful music on, bring some of that good energy back to the house. Um, that was episode two of the British Haunting podcast. Um, I fully intend to be able to bring you episode three in a week's time. So please look out for that. Please, please, please share this podcast on any of your social media platforms. It'd be great to build up this audience and build up some interaction with you, the listener. Um, and to also tell you about some of the exciting things uh, we've got planned with British Haunting and uh, the upcoming British Haunting website, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, lots of things you can sign up to there as well. Um, and uh, obviously, don't forget to check us out on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, just search for British Haunting. Um, there's regular updates on both of those, uh, particularly Instagram at the moment. And we're going to be expanding on some other uh, platforms very shortly. Um, and uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know uh, what you want to hear as well. We've I've got a lot of things planned on, on uh, this podcast, but um, it would be great to hear from you and your input as well. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I really value your time. Uh, I appreciate it. And um, hopefully we'll have Dan on the next episode. Get Dan back. Um, hashtag get Dan back. And uh, um, we'll get through this lockdown together. Thank you so much. Take care. Goodbye.